It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Hi, this is Eric Ludy. We just finished up our 14 weeks of training here on the campus, and it was just an amazing season. And if you missed the Daily Thunder episodes throughout that time, Oh, they were rich. It was really powerful. Nathan did a series called Soul Drift, 27 episodes, and it was extremely powerful. And I did a series called Spiritual Lessons from World War I. So if you missed those, you definitely want to catch up. Uh, so ellersley.com forward slash daily, and you can dig up the, that great material and, and go through it. Meanwhile, we're rebuilding our studio. So it's going through a remodeling process. We're excited to debut it. And we're close, but uh, we need a little more time, so we have another throwback series that we're going to give to you, and I hope you really enjoy it. It's called Hill to Die On. I pray it richly encourages your soul. Well, welcome back. Uh, for those of you that are wanting to take this idea of the preeminence of Jesus Christ just a bit deeper, uh, I'm excited to walk through that with you. Uh, this particular message has a even the title has a lot of significance to me personally. Uh, it's called Athanasius Contramundum, which is a historic phrase that I'll explain to you as we go through this. But I, I have a hunch it'll sort of jump into your hopper as a, as a life-impacting type of phrase as well, because it's, it's pretty potent as far as what it means. But to really understand it, we, we need to go back in time to around 320 AD, where there is a crisis in the church. You see, you have the church, which is become almost like favorable in the cultural setup, thanks to Constantine. And, uh, but you have, as a result, you, you're lacking a lot of the ancient ideas of Christianity, which is suffering and willingness to lay down your life, willingness to live in dependence upon Christ and upon his word. And you're getting more of a cultural Christianity, which is very similar to what's happened today. And so in that, you have some false ideas that are beginning to creep into the church. And what those ideas are doing is they're diminishing the Word of God in text. They're diminishing the Word of God in person, Jesus Christ. This can't do. This can't uh, be stood for. And so there's one character that if you know Christian history, you're familiar with the name, but his name is Arius. And Arius was the priest of the church at Bacallus in Alexandria, Egypt, and right around this time of 320 AD. And he is going to be the purveyor of an idea that is actually going to begin to break down the integrity and the health of the church. What was his idea? So we'll, say, we'll call this the lie of Arius and the diminishment of the person of Jesus Christ. His idea was that Jesus isn't all that you think he is. And so I know you're all impressed with Jesus, and yes, so am I. He's just a great guy. But we're, we're, we're trying to make him God, and I, I think that's where we're, we're having some problems. We need to sort of put him in his rightful place. And so here's the lie. Jesus is a created being, not a co-equal with God, but merely an adopted son. Now, it sounds really fine and dandy, sort of like, well, that's just your opinion that he's God. I'm going to have the opinion that he's not. And yet, if he's not God, first of all, it contradicts Scripture because his goings forth are from of old and from everlasting. It actually says of Jesus that he created the heavens and the earth. It says, before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> over and over again, you're going to see this revelation of Jesus as God Almighty in the Scriptures. And so, as a result, when Arius comes in with his lie, if you begin to buy it, it actually undermines not just the text of Scripture— because you now have to excuse all these things. Well, yeah, it may say that, but that's actually not what it means. And you need to now 
sort of mangle scripture, but it also diminishes and brings down God the Son to a level of our uh, understanding. It's like, well, this is the way we are. Well, this is the way he is too. We're created beings. He was a created being. He just happened to live better than we do. But he's living out of the same uh, sort of dust and ash that we live out of, as opposed to recognizing that, no, he's living by the power of God's very life. And though he is God, he has humbled himself to indwell a man's body, but that doesn't diminish his godness. He is still God in that body. And the reason he's going to live so perfectly is because he still is God, but he's in the body of a man, functioning as a man wholly dependent upon the Father. And so this, this lie began to creep into the church, and there was one man that stood against it, because it seemed like the entire church was buying into this. It was like sweeping through, and it was like the politically correct version of Christianity. And there's this one man, and his name was Athanasius, and he was the bishop of Alexandria, and he's going to, this, this statement that's attributed to him is Athanasius Contramundum. So here's how the legend goes. It's supposedly Athanasius was exiled five times uh, because of his stand uh, on this point. Now, to me, that seems a little odd because to me, an exile once is enough because isn't that what an exile is? You were removed. But somehow he was exiled five times. Okay, that's just what the history books say. So Athanasius is going to be approached in, in whether or not all the details of this are perfect. This is sort of the legendary story. Athanasius is going to be approached by Constantine, the emperor, and who's buying into this Arius thing. And he's going to say to Athanasius, Athanasius. I mean, Athanasius is a very important character. He's sort of like a fly in the ointment here. It's like, we're all getting along. We're all seeing straight. We all have a clear idea of, you know, that, that Jesus is a created being. Let's not make this an issue. And so he says to Athanasius, Athanasius, Will you not recant your position on this? I, I mean, the whole world is against you. And this is Athanasius' response. Well, then Athanasius is against the world. And in the ancient Latin, this would be how it would translate. Athanasius contramundum. Athanasius against the world. Don't you love that? You see, this stirred inside of me that desire to say, I want to be an Athanasius. When the world begins to creep into the church and begins to drag it down, I don't want to go with it. I want to go up with Jesus. I don't want the, to, the denigration of my Lord and Savior to ever take place on my watch where I do nothing. I want to respond as an Athanasius. I want to be Athanasius contramundum. Oh, I love that statement. So I'm just going to read to you what's going to flow out of this. You'll notice the dates on this, 325 AD. Athanasius' stand is actually still reverberating through the halls of the church. In other words, most of us are sound and understand the godness of Jesus because of Athanasius being willing to stand up all by his lonesome, be exiled five times, stand against even the emperor himself, and say, no, I will not bend. Athanasius contramundum. And so this is going to lead to what's called the Council of Nicaea, or the Nicene Creed in 325 AD. Here's what it says. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and who, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man. 
and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and the giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified who spoke by the prophets, and I believe one holy Catholic, which means worldwide, and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. So historically, that is the soundness of the Christian faith right there, where the men of God, the gray heads, got together and said, hey, let's not back down on this. Thank you, Athanasius, for clearing the fog away. Let's make our statement clear who Jesus is. This is what the apostolic era believe this is what all the fathers of the faith you know the the uh the apostolic leaders believed and so hey let's not throw it out because of Arius. so there's a footnote to the nicene creed that i decided to include here because i just think it's 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 not even really cool and, and clear but it's it's sort of funny too uh but those who say there was a time when he was not speaking of jesus in other words there was a time in history when this jesus didn't exist and he was not before he was made, and he was made out of nothing, or he is of another substance or essence, or the Son of God is created or changeable or alterable, they are condemned by the Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. In other words, let's go out of our way, just in case. We're going to add a little footnote to this. If anyone messes with the deity of Jesus Christ, whoa, watch out. You're standing against the church historic. Preserving the godness of Jesus Christ. Why does it matter that he is God? Well, for multiple reasons. But one of the biggies that I'd like to emphasize is, for as God and only as God can he save. For only as God can he atone. For only as God can he forgive. For only as God can he clean, justify, redeem, and sanctify. These are not works of men. The Jews understood it. There's only one who can forgive sins, and that is God himself. And so when Jesus came and forgave sins, they were so offended because only God can do that. But what if he is God, <laughs> which he was and is? In other words, well, it's, it's one thing to say, well, only God can forgive sins, but that's why he must be God. Because he is going to come and he's going to save, atone, forgive, clean, justify, redeem, and sanctify. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.